All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another week of the Football Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Corey, joined as always by Jared. Uh, Frank will be in and out on this one, but uh, all right, Jared, week two in the books. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be back for another week. Week two was supposed to kind of be a sleeper week and compared to week one, and it actually ended up being a pretty wild weekend, and your uh, desire to have 2007 on repeat it's off to a hot start. <laughs> Man, it almost got even hotter. It we were very is. close to having some major upsets. Yeah, we got we got one, but we almost had some <laughs> just out of the left field upsets. Just crazy stuff. Uh, so let's kick things off. The big news breaking today. Todd Helton has gotten fired at USC. And we'll have to give it up to Corey because when we did who's on the hot seat last week. He said uh, Todd Helton should have been fired three years ago. I'm surprised he's not been fired yet, and here he is. <laughs> Only took two games. Two games. I mean, that was an embarrassing loss to Stanford, um, especially after Stan- Stanford got handled by Kansas State. Yeah. Ah. Well, I didn't watch much of that. I didn't I actually didn't realize USC had lost until like Sunday afternoon. Was that game at USC or was it at Stanford? Uh, I believe it was at USC. Is it worse? Because it looked like USC was wearing home colors. Yeah, they probably um, know. Man, I mean, it, it's just that's part of why we're not big on the Pac-12 here. I mean, yes, yeah, Stanford was at USC, so they yep. lost a home game to Stanford, and they didn't just lose; they got blown out forty-two to twenty-eight. Yeah, I mean, they were down twenty-one to ten and a half, and then going into the fourth, they were down thirty-five to thirteen. That's that's not good. Yeah, in social media, I mean, talking heads, everybody was just after Helton's job after that loss. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson even got on. He was like, I can't support him anymore. He's got to go. And then he got fired this afternoon. <laughs> At least I didn't leave him on the tarmac like they did with Lane. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So who do you who do you think is the target? I don't know who the target is, but, I mean, you got to think that – I mean, you got to think it's some of these coaches that, like – Liberty, East uh, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati. Well, they're not going to make a move until the season's over with. Um, obviously, I mean, it's week Yeah, you can't. Three. Um, I would say Luke Fickle's probably their top target. I mean, that's what I would imagine. I mean, if I was Luke Fickle, and I, w- I would jump all over that. I don't know, man. We're, this kind of ties into what we're going to talk about next. I mean, starting in a year or two, they're in a Power 5 program. He's an Ohio State guy. I mean, after what we saw this weekend, is Ryan Day really the answer at Ohio State? Could he just wait for that job to open up or you know, take the Michigan job and that opens up? He's got a pretty good setup at Cincinnati. They're going to be joining a Big 12 that is, for the most part, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, pretty weak. I mean, they could run the Big 12 once they join. I mean, that is a fair point, um, especially about running the Big 12. I mean, after what I saw this week, they don't really have a whole lot once Oklahoma and Texas leave. And really, just once Oklahoma leaves, since he, since he could very easily be the second or third best team just by default, they might be the second. Yeah, I mean, if if Iowa State loses Matt Campbell, I mean, it's probably either them or UCF. Yeah, I mean, arguably, arguably so. I don't, I don't know who else would would be better. And yeah, you're right. He's an Ohio State guy. I can't imagine he would. Do you think he would go to Michigan? I mean, I guess you take one of those big jobs if it's open. I could see him take, taking the mission job, just kind of stick it to Ohio State because um, I'm pretty sure he got passed over for Ryan Day when Ryan Day took over for Urban. And that's another name to keep an eye on. Urban, 
not a great debut in Jacksonville over the weekend. Uh, so he may be looking to fake another health issue, get, get to the West Coast. Because that's, that's who I always heard was going to be the top target when they were going to fire Helton like three years ago, was they were going to go after Urban. Really? Yeah. Well, I would not be a bit surprised by that. Yeah, and I remember those talks too. And I actually talked to a buddy, a few buddies of mine over dinner last week. We're talking about if Irving comes in and blows this season. Like, I could see him lasting a season or two in Jacksonville and then going right back to college. Dude, pull Bobby Petrino. Peace out in like week 12. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, who knows how these contracts are done now, but I could see him doing that. He's just. And he's a slime ball. Let's not he, ourselves. He, he kind of is. I mean, he no, is. there's no kind of about it, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Go look at the arrest records from the 20, 2006 Florida squad and tell me you know, what kind of character builder Evermeyer is. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I guess that's why he brought Tim, Tim Tebow in to just run that circus. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, so. Cincy, UCF, BYU, and Houston are all officially joining the Big 12. Um, BYU's independent, so I'm pretty sure they're going to join next year. And then the other three will follow suit. They're all supposed to be there before Texas and Oklahoma actually leave. So for for at least a, maybe a year or so, it'll act, the Big 12 actually have 14 teams, and then they'll fall back down to 12. Yeah, and uh, I, I did hear some rumblings today involving these four you know, going to the Big Twelve, that Texas, Texas is actively trying to negotiate a buyout with the Big Twelve. Apparently, that, that it could happen sooner. Um, I mean, the last thing they need is you know, their last season in the Big Twelve get beat by UCF and BYU. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think they they realized uh, this past weekend that joining the SEC is going to be a little bit tougher than they thought. Yeah, I, probably the only person that really knew what was coming was probably the head coach. Like Sark said it last week. He goes, if you don't put your big boy pants on, you go down there and get your ass beat. And that's exactly what happened. No doubt. Uh, as far as the schools joining the Big 12, I think they all make sense. Cincinnati and UCF, and even to an extent BYU, they bring in new markets to the Big 12. Um, they give you an Ohio school, they give you a Florida school, and they give you a Utah school, which means I don't know how much – how big of a market Utah is, but since he was never going to get let into the Big Ten because of Ohio State and UCF, I don't know if they would have tried to go ACC or SEC, but I, I have a hard time seeing either of those conferences letting them in either. Yeah, certainly the ACC. Um, uh, yeah, the SEC is not either because they're, they're just accepting blue chips, it seems like. Right, they're cherry picking. Yeah. They, can, yeah. they can't cherry pick, so they're going to cherry pick. Yeah, I mean, from. Which the, I mean, UCF, I mean, it's a pretty fast-growing university so i mean well, it's, it's in a, a major city it's one of the largest camp campuses in the country right uh, and has one of the largest student populations so you know a couple of years having success getting investment they could be somebody and that's another thing with houston houston you know not for the most part usually not a national power or anything but they've got some big money boosters um so they could definitely start pumping money into that program now that they're going to be a, officially a power five school yeah so I uh, I mean, I like it. I don't. I think you know the talk of the Big Twelve dissolving was real, but I think bringing these four in, I don't know that it makes them. Does this uh, get them into the alliance against the SEC? I mean, I don't see why not. I was going to say if they yeah. if if they don't have an alliance, if they don't actually go through with that, I mean, certainly the Big Twelve was going to survive at this point. Well, it would have been an interesting case. What would have been? Would you have considered the AAC a better conference than the Big 12? 
well, now you just steal two of the best programs out of the AAC. So that's that's done and dusted right there. Yeah, the AAC is now went from, yeah, like you said, competing with the Big 12 to are they going to survive? Which I think they will. They'll bring in some They'll other survive. ones. They'll survive, yeah. But, but they were never, I don't think they ever really had a chance of competing with some of these big conferences. If they could have stolen a team from the big, a couple teams from the Big 12, maybe. Yeah, but the, the, I guess the Big 12, I guess they got it together and like anchored down the remaining programs and they, they chose to stay because you would have had to think that there was some vulturism going on. Like some of these other conferences had to reach out to the better teams in the Big 12. Well, supposedly, I think it was Baylor and Texas Tech almost got invited to the Pac 12, but it ended up not happening. Well, the Pac 12. Sure, I'm pretty sure about Texas Tech, but I can't, I don't think, I can't remember if Baylor was at the school or not. But well, the Pac-12 was acting pretty uppity about it too. Like they were just like, "Yeah, we don't really desire any." They don't, have, lo- <laughs> they don't they- have the infrastructure to support schools that far away from the Pac-12 because their conference is still in shambles after the what the previous uh, conference commissioner left it in. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name, but yeah, he he ran it into the ground. That's why you see so. I mean, it's kind of a godsend that UCLA and. Uh, Oregon are having the start to the season they're having. I don't know if it's for real, but I mean, if if none of those teams, with the way the rest of the conference has gone, if those two teams don't do anything, I mean, they are worse than ever. <laughs> so yeah. right, so right now they're hanging in there. Um, that's kind of really it for headlines. Uh, we have on here QB controversies. Um, I don't know. Some, most of this, I think the only legitimate one are probably well, the two legitimate ones are probably Florida and Texas. Um, yeah, I think Richardson of Florida has shown enough. I mean, he gives. I think he gives you the best skill set to go. I, he just seems like he fits Mullen's offense better. Well, he also just right now. I mean, I hate it for Emory Jones just as a human being and a player. Like the kid's been there forever, waiting his turn. And uh, I, I'm sorry, but Richardson's better just yeah. all around. Yeah, he is. I agree. But you know, we say that Richardson pulled a hamstring Saturday, and I don't know if he's going to play for a little while that's true um i I didn't watch much of that game but uh did he come back after that or he he sat out the rest of the game he sat out the rest of the game but i didn't see an injury report either uh because they said pulled hammy but the way he was acting i mean he's either well he he looked fine until he got in the end zone and then he started once he got in the end zone he started limping but he looked fine going in there well it was the after part that had me worried because he was just laying there just laid down and they had to like help him off the field so, oh, it's one of those things, man. It's going to be week to week until uh, it starts feeling better. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if you push it, you're just going to aggravate it. And right. they got to they got to play Bama next week. So it's really unfortunate that he, I mean, he's probably not going to play. I mean, they weren't going to beat Bama with him regardless. But yeah, yeah, Anthony Richardson. Let's see. But you know, yeah, but I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. But more than you know, like uh, 99 of 100 times, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Texas is self inflicted. They went with the freshman. To I don't know, just they went with the freshman, and now they got to go to the backup who's going to be starting this week, um, Casey Thompson. So that'll be an interesting one to monitor. I put LSU and Georgia both on here. Um, the LSU one, Max Johnson hasn't looked great, and then of course Garrett Dusmeyer comes in for like a quarter and a half of this past game, and he's just he's just slinging it. Well, I mean, I think with where you guys are at, give it to the guy with the hot hand. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Garrett Nussmeyer was throwing just, you know, just chucking it downfield. He only went like three of ten. So, I mean, not like many of them were caught. 
Mm. But it's, I mean, we'll get to it when I'm talking about the LSU stuff. But Max just looks scared to throw it deep, and that's that's, that's a wonder one. Tough. Yeah, well, I'll let you get into that when we get there. And as far as the QB controversy at Georgia, the the whole issue was a lot of people were wanting Carson Beck to get the start with an injured JT Daniels. And, I mean, just flat out, no one, when it comes to the big games, JT Daniels is going to be the guy. But we've got a couple of weeks until we play, like, our first big game. I, I, I think our first big one now is probably going to be Arkansas, just because of what they did to Texas. Right. Uh, so we've got Vandy next week. Then we got Arkansas, then Auburn. I would imagine, so, or excuse me, we got South Carolina, then Vandy, then Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, so I would not be surprised if Jay, or, uh, Stetson Bennett got the start again. But I don't look for JT Daniels to not, I mean, to lose the starting job unless he comes in and just plays flat, which. I mean, I, I would I would still argue Clemson has a really good defense, and it, it turns out he was hurt two weeks before the Clemson game and just played without even saying anything about the injury. So I think that played a part into why he was just doing dump passes all night. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think there's a big controversy there for Georgia. But, yeah, Texas and, uh, Texas and Florida, they've got some stuff to look at. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the last little bit of news um, – Talk about this right before the podcast started. Navy, uh, I think yesterday or Saturday, fired their offense coordinator, and now they have brought him back, and he will just be the QB coach. This is pretty. This is not something you see every day. I don't know anybody's names. I don't know the story or anything. Just something we wanted to bring up. Yeah, the only thing that I read on it is that the AD is the one that stepped in and fired the offensive coordinator, which is unprecedented, especially at Navy. But he was so upset with the way the games had gone this season that he stepped in and did that. And then the head coach went back to the AD and it wanted the guy rehired, so they rehired him as a QB coach. 10 out of 10. 10 so, out of 10. So they might just get worse because the AD was upset. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So up next is uh, the second installment of Jared is Happy and Corey is Not Mad, Just Disappointed. Well, and just to be clear, this this segment can definitely flip-flop, but as it stands right now, this is what it is. So, for my part of the segment, uh, yeah, man, the mailman delivers. Stetson Bennett comes in and gets a start, and much to the chagrin of every fan at the stadium, I was there Saturday, he gets announced as a starter. You hear some grumblings and some boos. So, what does he do? Fifth-year senior? Finally gets, you know, he got his opportunity last year. He he won some big games. He lost some big games. I think a lot of people wanted to see Carson Beck, the redshirt freshman, get some playing time and get developed. And I think the issue with that is just Kirby has been notorious for not doing well with the QB situations and development. But with Georgia's defense, we've got some runway, and Stetson is the guy with the most experience and he looked great. He came in second play of the game, 73-yard bomb to Jermaine Burton, and he has command of the offense. So if JT's not able to go, I am I am personally 100% comfortable watching Stetson go out there and run the offense. We've got everything in place. We've just got to work on some things, but the offense is going to be fine. Um, that defense in person, I was telling Corey about this before the, the, the podcast, I, that 
That is one of the fastest defenses I have ever seen in person. It's, it's one of the fastest I've ever seen, period. I mean, uh, the NFL is at a different level. But as far as college football goes, that is one of the fastest defenses I've ever seen. Channing Tindall, uh, that guy could fly anywhere in the field and just track somebody down on a, on a dead sprint, and he's going to knock your lights out. And that's just – that guy's second string. He is a second string defensive lineman slash linebacker just lighten people up. Um, the, so the defense looked great. The offense looked incredible. Uh, they sh- did a lot of shuffling with the offensive line, so a lot of freshman, uh, inexperienced guys play. So the run game didn't look so hot. But the one thing that Kirby said after the game, and I noticed it during the game, they were UAB was stacking the box, and they paid for it by us just throwing the yard on them. They did not. They didn't attempt until the fourth quarter to drop two or three safeties back. They just let us throw the ball. So with that, they brought in Carson Beck. And he did not look good the first half. He just looked like a freshman who didn't have a lot of experience. He, he made some great throws. Uh, he made a couple of bad decisions. Um, buried a few in the ground. The very last play of the game uh, for the Georgia's offense, you know, Georgia's <clears throat> trying to trying to hang up a, a shutout, and he throws a pick six to one of their safeties. <laughs> so he ruined the pick six or the uh, the shutout for the defense. But other than that, he he looked he looked good for the experience he had. Um, I, I honestly, I don't feel like there's any any controversy right now. I feel like Corey was probably in this position in 2019. Adam was in this position last year. For me, this team just looks special, and I'm just trying to enjoy it. Uh, we've still got a lot of injuries on offense, but I feel very confident uh, going into the South Carolina game. We just, we, I mean, we improved greatly from week one to week two. Still things to work on. But South Carolina's coming into Athens for a night game, and uh, I'm excited. I think this Georgia team is special, and I think they're focused, and it really is next man up. I think. At every position, we're deep enough to make this work, and I'm looking forward to it. And uh, just to close out on my thoughts for Georgia on the week, Jordan Davis is probably one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he's 6'6", he's 340. There's definitely bigger people out there. But at that size, UAB has a mobile quarterback, and he ran that dude down from behind yesterday in the whole stadium, or Saturday, and the whole stadium went nuts. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen to see a guy that big track down a mobile quarterback fairly easily. So I'm excited about him. I hope he stays healthy. He keeps going at the pace he's having. He's going to have a great year and make himself a lot of money and get a lot of draft stock for himself. So he was a three-star coming in. I wish nothing but the best for him, and I'm excited about this team. So with that, I'll yield the floor to Corey. Who's not mad? Who's just disappointed? Uh, not a whole lot this week. I mean, anytime you play an FCS team, um, you don't really learn a whole lot about your team. Um, our O line still kind of sucks. The running game shed more imagination than it against UCLA, but it still kind of sucks. Um, we were down three starting offensive linemen, so it's kind of hard to judge. Um, Max is kind of scared to throw it. He's not throwing anything deep. Uh, the wide receivers aren't helping. Uh, we had three or four drives in just because they just flat-out drop balls on third down. Uh, our tempo sucks. 
we spend way too much time staring at the sidelines between each play. Whenever we actually do go up tempo, we actually move the ball fairly well. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, three freshmen really stood out. Jack Besh, uh, Marty Goodwin, and Corey Kiner. All three of them need to play more. I think Goodwin's probably going to be hurt this week. Um, but Kiner and Besh should definitely see more touches than not. Um, that's really all I got for the offense. The defense, they beat up on a team that didn't deserve to be on the same field as them. It's pretty much that simple. We sacked the quarterback like eight or nine times. Um, we just Our defensive line just bullied them the whole game. Um, Jaqueline Roy and Mason Smith should be our starting defensive tackles. Uh, I kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the year. Neil Farrell and Joseph Evans, I'm sure, are great guys, but Mason Smith and Jaquelin Roy cause havoc when they're out there on the field. They can get pushed in the interior, and they're just physical beasts, um, so they really should be the starting defensive tackles. Uh, the one thing that came out today that has kind of pissed me off more than anything else, Ed Orgeron said in his press conference today that John Emery is likely to be out for the remainder of the season due to academics. I don't understand how this happens at generously, let's just say a top 20 athletic program in all of of NCAA sports, really. You have a player who is a five-star, either your first or second string running back, and you schedule incorrect classes, you don't schedule enough classes. The reports vary on what actually happened here, and you can't get this guy eligible, so he's going to lose his entire junior year because someone in your athletic department can't fucking schedule classes correctly. Like, this this is insane. It just, to me, it just shows that Ed has no control over the program. He surrounds himself with people that don't know what they're doing, and it's, it's embarrassing that a player of this caliber can't play because he took a wrong summer school class. It's just, it's insane. That's all I really got. Not a, not a whole lot for LSU this week. Well, yeah, and not to, to to just pile on, but I yeah, the, the out of all the things you say, the the John Emery one, uh, that one blows my mind. That's a that's an insane story on how that happens, especially to make it to week two of the football season to find out that that's the case. Ed said he didn't know until Friday of the UCLA game that he couldn't play. That's that's crazy. Yeah, so apparently they tried to file for a waiver with the NCAA. The NCAA wouldn't allow. It's basically what. It, the most believable thing that I've heard is that he hasn't made enough progress towards his degree to be eligible. Basically what that means is I think going into your junior year, you have to be at least 30% to your degree to be eligible per NCAA rules. It sounds like they were trying to get a summer school class that would help him get to 30%. The class wasn't the correct class. Either that or they were trying to use, like trying to show the NCAA that he was working towards that by taking the summer school class. NCAA denied the waiver, whatever it is. Supposedly, John Emery's family is seeking legal action, either against the school or the NCAA. It hasn't really been clearly stated yet. But, yeah, so it, it's just a mess, man. It, it's just, it just shows me that Ed really doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, that's a that's a wild thing to happen, and I would be I would be equally as frustrated. So let me I, ask you a question: Do you know the name of Kirby's like top off the field assistant? I mean, coming into the season, it was. Uh, I mean, I guess you could argue it was Will Muschamp, but aside from that, just because of who he was, no. Okay, 
I know, or I know the name of Ed's top off-the-field assistant. The guy's an ex-con and a former radio host. That's oh. that's Ed's top guy. So that tells you everything you need to know about the current state of LSU football program. That's that's wild, man. Yep. That that is the guy that does the administrative portion of pretty much of Ed's job. So that's that's what we've got going for us is an ex-con who used to do uh, sports morning radio. Well, uh, might explain how he got into the job in the first place. Yeah. So, so enough about LSU being a fucking joke. Um, let's turn to game reviews of the week. Um, first up, Oregon, Ohio State. Fantastic game. Um, big win for Oregon. Huge win for Oregon. To go into Ohio State and beat them the way they did is super impressive. I a thousand percent did not see this coming. I have been, I've been a little bit of a Pac-12 hater. I mean, just, just straight they're up. Easy, they're an easy conference to hate. I mean, well. And make fun of. It's just I, the truth. I, I mean, it's not even making fun of. It, it actually goes back to hate for me because way back in the early 2000s, I was just sick and tired. I felt like Ohio State and – and the well, a lot of Big Tens, but you know, Ohio State specifically, and then the Pac-12, USC were like media love childs. They they just love them, and I guess that's just say darlings and not love childs. <laughs> love childs is a weird term. I wouldn't yeah. say that, <laughs> but they're like media darlings, and it just always ranked them high, whether they deserved it or not. And the difference in the two programs is, you know, as you see today, like. USC is kind of an afterthought with Helton getting the axe, and Ohio State is a playoff contender. Right. Um, Oregon was thought to be a top ten team, but they didn't, I don't think anybody was really bought in on that until they went into the shoe and beat Ohio State. And I think a lot of people are believing in them now. What What, what is your thoughts on that? Uh, I think. I mean, we talked about it in our Pac-12 preview. Uh, we both. You know, kind of shoot in Oregon to win the Pac-12, and we both, you know, they can make the playoff whether they actually get, in, get into the playoffs. One thing, but we both agree they could make the playoff. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't really looked at the rest of their schedule. The UCLA game is obviously going to be huge. Um, I don't know if they can go in and make a serious run into the playoffs because I mean, all they really did to Ohio State was just running up the middle, and Ohio State can stop it. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't do anything with it. And 91% of Pickham picked Ohio State to win that game. Yep. Uh, I don't know what the betting odds were, but I was trying to see if they had it here right here. But, yeah, I mean, they beat they beat Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State was 14.5-point favorites. Wow. And the over-under was 65. Um, but, yeah, 14.5-point favorites at home, and they lost by touchdown. Yeah, it was. I don't. To me, Ohio State seemed like they were. When you play NCAA fourteen, you're playing as an offensive coordinator. You'll have like one out of every like three or four games. Your defense just can't get a stop. So all you really like the entire game, you're just throwing it deep. That was Ohio State's game plan. We're just gonna we're just gonna throw it deep every play. Yeah, I uh, I listened to a podcast, uh, the two four seven podcast late kick with Josh Pate today. And I think he put it best is like Ryan Day probably knows that he has the wrong guys on the defensive side of his ball. Not the players, but the coaches. Right. Because they couldn't – they were like a sieve, man. I mean, that, that Oregon I mean, ran through them. I mean, two or three touchdowns came on the exact same play. 
Anthony Brown did not have a great day passing. I mean, it was it was decent, but it wasn't you know world beater. But they ran all over them. He didn't have the type of day that you would expect the quarterback to need to have to beat Ohio State at home. Yeah, he he threw seven for thirty five, two hundred thirty six yards and two TDs. If you'd have told Oregon fans that before going into the game, how many of them would have thought Oregon won? Zero. I would vote vote zero. Yeah. Zero percent. But then Verdell had 20 carries for 161 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, crazy. And then Oregon, I mean, Oregon just controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Ohio yeah. State scored, but it just felt like Oregon could could move the ball up and down the field at will. Yeah. The Oregon defense is, is legit. Their offense still has some questions, but the defense is legit. Um, the next probably second biggest game of the week was Iowa versus Iowa State. Iowa, yep. looks, Iowa looks good. Iowa, that is their second top 25 win to start the season. Yep. They look really good. I mean, they're all the way up to number five, and they beat Paul. Yep, they are looking really good. And I, I you know, I think five, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I mean, they have the wins to back it up right now. Yeah, um, I mean, with all the upsets, too, there's no, there's no reason to not put them at five. Yeah, agreed. Uh I love it. I, I hope Iowa makes the playoff. One, for the simple fact. I hope Iowa runs the table and makes the playoff for the simple fact that, one, it's a new school making the playoff, which I'm all for. And, two, it's a great example of a school sticking with a coach through all the ups and downs, all the good years and the bad years, and then finally paying off. So I, I'm going to be rooting for Iowa this year for sure. Yeah, and like I said before the season started, I've always low-key rooted for Iowa because where my dad's side of the family's from. And, uh yeah, man, they <laughs> they it looks like it has all come together for them, and they definitely look legit. Uh, I still have questions, but I mean, you, in week two, you're going to have questions about everybody, so we'll see. But I definitely think if there's going to be a playoff contender or the winner of the Big Ten, it's going to be Iowa. Yep. Um, probably the biggest upset of the week was uh, Arkansas versus Texas. Uh, Texas is obviously not ready to come in and wreck shop in the SEC like they would hope they would. Uh, I'll hand up on this one. I was dead wrong. I thought Texas was going to come out and handle business. Arkansas came out and just pushed them around. Uh, they just beat the crap out of them. Yeah, I um, I thought I had picked this one to be Arkansas. Did I not? I'm just looking, in, looking real quick. I picked... Yeah, I picked Arkansas. Yeah, ninety-two percent of the country picked Texas Longhorns to win, and uh, I said on the last podcast that Texas better watch out because they're coming into SEC territory, a night game in Fayetteville, and night game at a high school stadium. I mean, but <clears throat> they were at capacity, and that place was rocking, and Arkansas got the better of them, and Arkansas was in control the whole game. Oh, I mean, they pushed them around. They yeah. dominated the game. They beat up on them. I was uh, I was not I was expecting Arkansas to win in a nail biter, but I was not expecting them to just control the game. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Pittman's got to figure it figured out. So it'll be interesting to see how they do against some of the other SEC schools. Um, that was an impressive one. Yeah, it's Pittman's second full year, so this is very few of his own recruits. But he's got True. those guys. He's got those guys bought in. Yeah, which like is saying it, something too, because usually when you say it's someone else's recruits, you're usually like using that to diminish a coach. But 
Yeah. Uh, Chad Morris did a terrible job recruiting there. So the fact that he's getting this much, you know, fire out of Chad Morris's recruits is actually like a positive. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, those guys are bought in. They are totally oh, for sure. bought in. For sure. Because I mean, you can tell by the quality of player that they're not up to SEC standards. But those guys are playing above and beyond what they should be as a it's, unit. It's crazy what a head coach can do when he actually goes out and hires the good assistants and let them do their jobs instead of meddling with everything. Yeah, uh, he, he makes the global decisions and trusts his men to do the little decisions. And always Ryan could learn a thing or two. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when a lot of people were saying that uh, people should look to Ed Ogeron to learn a thing or two. But in hindsight... Well, Dabo was the one who really started it. Yeah. Because he went from a wide receiver coach to uh, head coach. Yeah, but Sam Pittman's, yeah, if you're wanting to know how to rebuild a program that once was, just look at what he's doing at Arkansas. Yep, for sure. Um, BYU and Utah, we talked about this one for Pickham last week. I never ended up switching my pick to BYU, even though I said I was probably going to. Um, I wish I would have because then we'd be tied to Pickham rankings right now. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, like we talked about, BYU is one of those teams because most of their players are – already in their mid-20s by the time they actually start playing for BYU. Uh, they're going to be – they're going to have a little bit of an edge as far as physicalness goes. I think when we talked about Utah in the Pac-12 preview, I mean, we both kind of said, I don't, we don't really see where the, the playmaking ability is going to come from. This is one of those games where if you got a playmaker who makes one play, it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But I think we also said that Utah goes as far as Charlie Brewer goes. And right. I guess I guess that's our answer. Like, he's going to be good, but he's not going to be great for them. So, BYU got the better of them. Um, actually, uh, Texas versus Arkansas was not the biggest upset of the week. The biggest upset of the week was Jacksonville State beating Florida State. <laughs> I, I mean, I still think the biggest upset has got to be between Oregon, OSU, and Texas, Arkansas. But the biggest embarrassment of the week is Jacksonville State beating, I mean, not for Jacksonville State, of course, but FSU. That is the epitome of one step forward, two steps back. You yeah. got to play a great game against Notre Dame, had all your chances to win it, and you go out and lose to Jacksonville State on a last-minute Hail Mary. And yes. here's the thing. I mean, that's that's on Mike Norvell. That's on 100%. the play. I mean, I don't often say this, but this is on the player's effort, too. I mean, the fact that you're not in a prevent defense at that point in the game, and also the t- you left a corner on an island, and then the tackling effort that came with it. I mean, maybe those guys are exhausted, but either way, you cannot let guys on the goal line. You can't let. I don't understand why teams don't do that. Like literally, just put like three or four guys standing at the goal line and say, "Do not let the ball get in the end zone." You don't have to run; just stand there and just make a play. Yeah, it's that simple. I, I don't get it. I don't get it, and. You know what? FSU kind of deserves that. But it oh, also sure. brings brings about my next question is, you know, what does that mean about Notre Dame, too? Or Is Notre Dame? I mean, is, Notre Dame barely, we were going to get to that later, but Notre Dame barely beat Toledo. I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, FSU and Notre Dame was a close game, and then they nearly lose to Toledo. I mean, the ACC and then Notre Dame, I know they're independent, but the ACC is just hot garbage this year outside of Clemson again. Pitch here, baby. Pitch here. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> it might be, dude. <laughs> One more for Pitt. Uh, Stanford versus USC. I admit it. I didn't even know the outcome of this game until Sunday. I don't have a whole lot to say about this one. Uh, yeah. I mean, Todd Helton got fired. He lost to Stanford at home, 
after Stanford got <laughs> ran over by Kansas State. So you know the state of USC's program is not good right now. Yeah. Uh, Virginia versus, versus Illinois. I bet, I bet you Illinois just wish they could play Nebraska every week. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, Kentucky versus Mizzou. I didn't watch a whole lot of this one, but it was a, from what I, from what I did watch, it was a good physical, entertaining game. Uh, this makes me believe. I mean, Mizzou is not a bad team. They've got a lot of returning offensive talent, but Kentucky with that transfer QB, um, yeah. I, I I think very legitimately is the second best team in the SEC. The Easter. Yeah, SEC East. Well, you remember what I said before the season when we were talking about the SEC. I said Kentucky and Mizzou were both going to finish above Florida. Now, that I agree with. I think that could still very well happen. Um, I like Eli Drinkwitz. I don't know if he's a great recruiter, but he's a good offensive mind. Um, I think Missouri will continue to get better. And Kentucky, I mean, I'm ter- we have to play Kentucky this year. I'm terrified. I am terrified of playing Kentucky. I, uh, you know, I, honestly, going into the season – um, I thought in my mind I was most worried about the Kentucky game, and because right after that, I mean we get we get a week's rest, but then we go play Florida. I am super worried about the Kentucky game now. I mean we yeah. look great, but the fact that they can throw it, their defense is still great. Yep. So I'm much more worried about that stretch of schedule. That those six games are going to be that's going to be rough. Because I think it's Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky. Then we get our bye week, and then we got to play Florida. Um, I forget who the other one. I forget who the other, but it's like Florida, Florida, and Tennessee are in there. I know Tennessee's not that great, but I'm just thinking about how beat up we're going to be after that six game stretch. For sure, yeah. Um, Mizzou. I don't know why I blanked. It was Flo- it's yeah. We're we're talking about Mizzou, so. yeah, Florida, Mizzou, and then Tennessee, and then we've got a little bit of a break. But yeah, that's Kentucky's a lot better than people think. Yeah, I, I don't think I still don't think they're ranked yet, which is mind blowing. Yeah, um, they will be. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, a couple teams struggle with very weak opponents. and m barely beats Colorado. Uh, Miami barely beats Appalachian State. Uh, Notre Dame barely beats Toledo. Toledo had every shot to win that game. Uh, Colorado had every shot to beat A&M. They just, the A&M defense stood tall. And... A&M's in trouble. A&M's. <laughs> I mean, they're, well, their quarterback broke his ankle. He's out for the next six to eight weeks. Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second because they play four teams before he's supposed to come back, and I think they could lose all those games. Yeah. Um, so overachievers and underachievers week two. I've got my overachievers as Arkansas, Oregon, and Stanford. And I've got my underachievers as Texas, Florida State, and USC. Um, I feel like those are all pretty safe picks. We covered all those games when we were talking about the uh, reviews. Um, yeah. Yeah, and my uh, overachievers, I just decided to go all different uh, for these. But my overachievers was Michigan, Colorado, and Jacksonville State. Uh, Jacksonville State pulled out the win. Um, I don't think they have any be- business beating FSU, so I think that loss is squarely on FSU's shoulders. Oh, for sure. Uh, Michigan, the only reason I put them in there is I'm not totally bought in on them. Uh, maybe maybe Harbaugh's got them turned around, but... I don't know I, if it's so much as got them turned around. He didn't, they didn't crap the bed in a game they should win, which is nice. 
Yeah, but I guess I have them as overachievers just because I feel like they did better than they should have, uh, especially with the injuries they've had. But we'll see. And then Colorado. Colorado lost, but Texas A&M tried their damnedest to give them that game, and they just didn't want it. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but my unders is Miami, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Um, yeah, uh, Ohio State is the only loser out of that bunch, but all three of them just played way below what they should be. I mean, I think Alabama stole Miami's soul. Notre Dame is probably worse than we think they are. And Ohio State, I think, is just you – know, they're too young at the quarterback position. And their yeah. defense, I don't know what's going on with their defense, but they got worse. Yeah. They got worse. All right, give me your uh, week two hot takes. Uh, I said this first one. Uh, I think Kentucky is the second best team in the SEC East. I think they kind of proved that with a win over Mizzou. Um, I think there's a real, you know, if there was a team that could upset Georgia in the East, I don't think it's Florida. I really don't think it's Mizzou. And I think the team that has the best chance at that is Kentucky. Uh, They have got a really solid team. And the quarterback play is vastly improved from last year. Yeah, Uh, They figured out the forward pass is just a fad. Uh, so they're they're actually going to invest in it this year. So that's yeah, good, that's a good they, thing for them. They, they have a balanced offense for the first time in probably since I've been alive. Um, since the hefty lefty. Mother hot take, and I, I'm still iffy on this one, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I don't think the Big Ten has a legitimate playoff contender. Uh, I was probably it, but I don't know if anyone else can get into the playoffs out of that bunch at this moment. Now, I could be wrong. A big part of that is what I'm about to say next, that Auburn going to Penn State is going to end up being one of the biggest games of the year, if probably not. I mean, a lot could hinge on what happens in this game. Um, do you, I think Auburn beats Penn State. I haven't watched enough of Auburn because um, they've played. They've had two really shitty games, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Like shitty opponents. Yeah, I mean it's it's so hard to tell. First year head coach, we don't know what Bo Nix is going to look like in a big game. Um, Penn State's defense is pretty good. Uh, it'll be a fun game. I couldn't I couldn't give you a prediction one way or the other. To be completely honest. Well, it's why I it's my I'm, hot take because I'm yeah. I'm right there with you. And I you know you know if Auburn goes in there and gets just absolutely drummed, I'll be the first one to come back here and be like <laughs> that hot take was an overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think I picked Penn State to pick them. I'm not entirely sure. Um, so my my three high takes this week are uh, is UCLA versus Oregon will be the biggest Pac-12 regular season game of the last decade. Um, if both those teams are undefeated going into that game, it's going to be a huge atmosphere. Um, you know, playoff implications. I mean, they'll meet most likely meet again in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, but that's going to be a huge regular season. It's going to be a big marquee regular season game for the Pac-12 if both those teams are undefeated, uh, now, which is something they haven't had for a couple of years. Are UCLA and Oregon on opposite sides? They are. Yeah. UCLA's in the south and Oregon's in the north. So um, there's a real chance that these two meet again in right. the Pac-12 championship. Most likely they'll meet again in the Pac-12 championship. So, I mean, there is a chance that it could be. But I'm just this, talking like a regular season game. That's fair. That's fair. It's regular season. For the Pac-12 to have a big marquee regular season game, it's not super common. Um, so if both those teams are undefeated going into that game, that's going to be a, that's going to be a big deal. Um, 
we've kind of talked about this earlier. Texas A&M's in big trouble. Um, Haynes King, they're saying mid-October at the earliest. He has a fractured ankle. I mean, that's going to take – even if he's ready, quote-unquote, for mid-October, that's going to take some time. During that stretch before he's supposed to come back, they play Arkansas, Mississippi State, Bama, and Mizzou. Oh, they could I lose. Could, they could lose all four of those. I, I was They're gonna definitely going to lose to Bama. I think even with Haynes King, I think they beat Mississippi State and maybe Mizzou. I don't think they beat Arkansas. I think Arkansas is a better team. Their than defense, them. their defense is really, really good, but their offensive line is in shambles. And Calzada did not look good against Colorado. Yeah, and yeah, he's going to be playing all four of those. I yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think Colorado is a great team. If I'm being completely honest. Well, no, I don't either. I don't uh, think Colorado is good it, at all. I, I talked about it last week. I said the score was deceiving. Texas A&M did not look great against. I can't remember who they played, but they didn't look great in that game either. Um, yeah, so Jimbo's got tough work ahead of him. Um, and then my last one is Iowa's the best team in the Big Twelve. All right, in the Big Ten. Big Ten, sorry, Big Ten. Um, yeah, they need to change something up. I get those confused all the time. Oh, dude, but... So it's you know, especially because the Big Twelve has ten teams, um, so it's super confusing. Um, <laughs> I think Iowa. I, 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 like I said earlier, I want Iowa to run the table. I would love for Iowa to make the playoff and represent the Big Ten. Um, I, it, to me, that'd be the perfect end to a crazy season if we get that. Um. So moving on to the previews for week three, I think we're both going to agree on the first one, and it's going to go pretty quick. Oklahoma versus Nebraska. I think we're both picking Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma hands down. Uh, Cincinnati versus Indiana, another one. I think we're both going to pick Cincinnati in this one. Cincinnati as well. Uh, Virginia Tech versus West Virginia is an interesting one. Um, I'm pretty sure I picked Virginia Tech, but... Yeah, this is a toss-up. I picked Virginia Tech as well. Um, It wouldn't surprise me if West Virginia wins. I don't know. I don't know, did Virginia Tech even play this week? Uh, they did, uh, but I think it was a nobody. I could be wrong with that, but I'm pretty sure they played this week. Yeah, they, they're 2-0. and They played this week. Okay. Um, Michigan State versus Miami. I picked Michigan State. I picked Michigan State as well. I think, I, I, I think, I think Michigan think, State goes out and beats them. I, I think both of us would agree that Michigan State's a lot better than what we talked about for the season so, preview. Uh, so through two weeks, the surprise team of the year is Michigan State. So far, I agree, yeah. Um, Bam versus Florida. I mean, Florida's I like a 20-point underdog at home. I mean, <clears> it's just it's not fair. I don't think Richardson's going to be able to play, and if he does, I don't think he's going to be 100%. So I think right. Alabama walks all over him. They're a 15.5-point favorite at Florida, which is just <laughs> incredible. Um, Utah versus San Diego State. I want to say I picked San Diego State. Um, I picked Utah. Oh, yeah, I picked Utah, but I mean, I yeah, that'll be our different. That that'll be our equalizer. I don't San Diego State very Dude, well could beat, beat them. Earlier this year. They yeah, beat Arizona. They beat Arizona, but yep. they, beat, I, they, beat, they beat the crap out of Arizona. Arizona sucks, but they beat the crap out of Arizona. Yeah, I'm picking Utah, but it's not a confident pick. Um, next up, Auburn versus Penn State. I'm pretty sure I picked Saint Penn State just for the simple fact that it's. Is it at, at Penn State? It's at Penn State, and it's a wideout. Yeah, wideout's a tough environment to play. Like I said, I'm not sure what Bo Nicks we're going to get. Um, I'm picking Auburn. I, I think Auburn's going to upset them, but I, yeah, also not confident. I'm picking Auburn, but 
I don't like my own pick. So I, I potentially could change that during the week. Uh, Oklahoma State versus Boise State. I picked Oklahoma State. I picked Boise State because Oklahoma State looked like hot garbage last week. They did, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have different opinions on that one as well. <laughs> um, BYU versus Arizona State. I picked BYU. I picked BYU as well. I think they're going to come out and do it. Uh, Clemson versus Georgia Tech. I don't think this is a picking game. I think it's just one I threw up here. Yeah. I uh, pick, Georgia Tech. Uh, I picked Clemson. Has, <laughs> has not looked good. No. So and far. It's, Georgia Tech's probably not making a bowl this year, unfortunately. They've just got too much to work on and too tough a schedule. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It'd be nice to see Georgia Tech be close. The, this is probably the one. This next game is one I'm probably most excited for. I don't think Tulane has a chance to actually beat Ole Miss, but it should be an entertaining game. Well, I think what's entertaining about it is we should get a real um, measuring stick of what. How good Ole is Ma- the Ole Miss defense? Yep. Yeah, how good is Ole Miss? Um, I think their offense is for real, but is that defense for real? And Tulane, Tulane, I forget who Tulane played this past week. They put up like 50 in the first half. Yeah, they've got a they've got a really good offense down there, Tulane. So uh, Ole Miss better bring it, but I think they will. I think they win it regardless. But if they give up fifty points and win, you know, <laughs> by whatever margin, if they give up a ton of points, I think it's going to bring it back to reality of what Ole Miss is. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily hold it against them because I mean, when they play Alabama, it's going to be a similar thing. Is who? I mean, it's, it's going to be a shootout. Be, yeah, it's going to be a shootout. I think that's kind of they're going to have to win the majority of their games. It's just. Is their defense good enough? Like we talked about beginning of the season, bid and break, don't break. Is their defense good enough to get a turnover or two or a stop or two? And that'll win them some games. So that's that's really what I'm looking for. Um, this week, LSU plays Central Michigan. To be completely honest, I am kind of worried about this game. Uh, Jim McElwain is the head coach of Central Michigan. Um, he hates LSU with an undying passion, and LSU fans feel pretty similar about him. Um, LSU should go out and win this one pretty handedly, but it, uh, dude, I'm nervous. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. I, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, y'all have the talent that y'all should just break them in half. It's just whether y'all can put it together. I mean, we're 20 point favorites. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, I wouldn't pick you to cover, but I pick oh, you I'm to win. I, I definitely would pick us to cover. <laughs> uh, I hate to say. I don't know. That. I might go to the game. I haven't really decided yet. Um, what's the last one here? Oh, Georgia, South, Georgia, South Carolina. Carolina. Um, ah. I, I pick in Georgia to win and to cover. Yeah. But well, you know what? Actually, I changed that because uh, I saw the opening 31. line was in. That's an insane cover. Thirty-one points. So the like the spread is thirty-one points, and the over under the over is only set at forty-eight and a half. <laughs> Yeah, so I I don't think South Carolina is going to score, but I well, mean, have they, have they gotten their quarterback back, or are they still doing the grad transfer? No, it looks like it's going to be the grad transfer. It's yeah, not I likely just... the other guy's going to be back, so I'm not expecting them to score. Even if they get their quarterback back, I'm not expecting a whole lot because that defense is, I, 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 just based on everything I've seen to this point, the defense is for real, and um, the offense we'll see. I think Georgia wins regardless, but South Carolina, the history of the of the of the of this matchup is always much closer. I think it's beat the spread twice 
ever, <laughs> like in the modern era. So I'm not picking it to win the spread. That's a that's an insane spread. And now if the quarterback doesn't play, if it's the grad transfer, I might be more likely to take it. But I mean, I don't think Georgia's going to put up forty something points on South Carolina. So Boise State's actually favored. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, um, I picked I picked Boise. Another one interesting one that I'm seeing is uh, Mississippi State's only favored by three going to Memphis. Really? Yeah. This is according to CBSSports.com. And who is this now? Uh, Mississippi State going to play in at Memphis. I mean, I don't think that's too far off. I feel like Mississippi State is going to be just like their head coach. It's going to be a roller coaster. Well, I mean, it's a tale of two teams. You know, the first week they almost lose Louisiana Tech because they turned it over like six times. And then they go out and stomp NC State because they didn't turn it over once. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what will happen when you don't turn the ball over. Wow, Northwestern's only favored by three against Duke. That's a shocker. Yeah, I feel like that one, because, I mean, that would be saying that Michigan State's not that good. I mean, yeah, right. Michigan. And I think that running back from Michigan State is like a little Darren Sproles. That dude is fast. <laughs> He's so fast, he makes other people look not fast. That's exactly right. Any <laughs> <laughs> uh, other? Not really. Fresno State, UCLA. Hey, UCLA better watch out for Fresno State. I think they're a lot better than people think. They put up a lot of points this past weekend. I feel like there's always Fresno State, though. Yeah, but, I mean, also it's the Pac-12. I mean, I I can't help it. I can't help but hate on the Pac-12 because I just feel like they are never – I mean, I think they're certainly better than the ACC this year. But – I yeah, I'm just not a believer in them, and and it may be, I mean, it may be the bias and the fact that we never get to watch their games because it's always. I mean, speak so for yourself. I, I I usually love watching Pac-12 Ever Dark. I don't catch the primetime games, but the late night games, which is which is like Washington State versus Colorado, I watch it every time. <laughs> Another interesting one I'm seeing is Wake Forest is actually uh, a five and a half point favorite against Florida State. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, people are real, real low on Florida State. Um, also, and we didn't talk about this earlier, but I think it just needs to be brought up. I know this may not be the best time to do it, but Florida State loses to Jacksonville State on the Hail Mary. And while Jacksonville State is on the field celebrating, one of the offensive linemen for Florida State proposes to his girlfriend. He's, he's fully leaned into it. He sent out their registry on Twitter. He's uh, He invited Barstool to come to the wedding. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the gif or anything either, but there's a group of three cheerleaders walking off the field as it's going as Jackson State's celebrating. The girl, female cheerleader, is trying so hard not to laugh, and eventually she just breaks and just starts laughing as they're walking away. I mean... It's just like, these people have been through so much at Florida State, and like, to lose that game and to lose it in that fashion after you just went toe-to-toe with the top 10 team, that's a heartbreaker. That is a heartbreaker. Hey, I mean, it's a heartbreaker, but at the same time, it's like you said, they've been through so much. That's true. Well, so the, the message board geniuses Twitter account that I follow was posting some stuff from the Florida State board, and it was like, bring back Willie Taggart. This is his team anyways. Get Norvell out of here. And I'm just like, Jesus, you people. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
Um, so we're right about the 55 minute mark. So we've actually, this is a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, so we're going to go into the random topics for this week. Um, first on random topic is who do you believe is the greatest college football player of all time? So I want you to do two, two different sections. I want you to do like a Homer pick, like the Georgia section. And then I want you to pick some non Georgia players or player, however you want to do it. Okay. Uh, it's, I mean, this one's definitely going to be a homer pick, but also I truly believe he is. I, I just think he's he's definitely in the debate for greatest of all time as Herschel Walker. Yeah, um, for sure. But outside of Herschel Walker, I think my next pick would probably have to be um, Charles Woodson. Okay. I yeah. mean, Charles, well, Charles Woodson, what he did at Michigan is, I still think, one of the greatest all-time college performances ever. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that'd be my two. My homer, I'll go with Herschel. I, 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 to me personally, I think he's the greatest ever, um, even outside of being a Georgia fan. But I, I think as far as greatest athlete, overall performance, I mean, right there with him has got to be Charles Woodson. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for LSU side, I have to pick two. I physically can't pick just one. Um, so on offense, it's obviously Joe Burrow the goat um and then tyron matthew he was just so much fun to watch in college especially for that one year the 2011 season um i mean he just it was just big play after big play just go watch the highlights of him from 2011 i mean he was all over the field he was just a blast to watch um and then for my non-lsu pick oh man charles woodson was a good one um I mean, there's a lot out there. I know, and I don't want to answer just – I don't want to just say a quarterback. Like, I don't want to see Tebow or somebody else. I feel like it's a cop-out. Well, it's not really a cop-out because, I mean, what Tebow did was – I mean, he's one of the greatest college players of all time. I mean, right. for sure. I don't know. I mean, I guess give me Tebow. I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. If I get a better one, I'll say it towards the end. I, there's but, a couple that I thought about um, – just outside, like not just Georgia. I mean, Herschel's the only one I think of at Georgia. There's great Georgia players, but as far as greatest all time college players, I think of like uh, I mean Reggie Bush too. Yeah, Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush in college was he was unreal. Uh, Earl Campbell, Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams, uh, Ron Ricky, Dane, Ron Dane, Ron Dane was incredible at Nebraska. I yep. mean, I don't think people realize how good he was. I mean, his NFL career was lackluster yeah. at best. <laughs> I mean, he carried the ball 700 times in college. Yeah, he did. But, I mean, no one could tackle that man. Um, uh, and, and the offense gets a lot of love here. That's why the, Charles Woodson is, like, really special because he won the Heisman as a defensive player. Right. Um, Yeah, there's it's it's hard. It's hard when you start getting away from as far as all time performances. Um, God, who else? Who else would you think? I think of like Derek Thomas too. Derek Thomas put on a show at Alabama when he played linebacker. I mean, he was incredible on both levels. It's a R.I.P. Derek Thomas. All right, but but he was great. He was truly great. I mean, Ed um, Reed. Ed Reed was great in college. Ed Reed. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking right now. But he was the other safety before Ed Reed at Miami. Um, Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. 
I think he was after Ed Reed, but yeah, Sean Taylor was legit. No, no, he 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 was before, wasn't he? I think uh, it was before because he. I mean, he died. He died like early two thousands. Yeah, he? but I feel like uh, Ed had already been in the league for a couple years. Had he? Let's see. <laughs> yeah, he didn't start. He didn't get to the NFL to two thousand four. Ed would have been in. Ed would have been in uh, the pros by then. Did they play? Yeah, Ed Reed. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Sean Taylor was on the team. I don't know if they played that year, but Ed got to the NFL in 2002. You were right. I totally had that backwards. Random football knowledge. <laughs> if you need to know where some random head coach coached at like 10 years ago, I probably have an answer for you. <laughs> uh, Andre Johnson was another one, but that's, I mean, he was just a great wide receiver. I don't want to know if he was. Yeah, I was trying to think of like. A wide receiver that just flat out dominated. I can't really think of one. Well, I mean, Randy Moss dominated at Marshall. But yeah, I don't. I, I, do you remember like the Randy Moss like Heisman? Uh, I guess commercials they put like Marshall would put out. As far as a wide receiver who dominated, you remember Roy Williams? Yeah, Roy I Williams. mean, golly, it was Texas, right? Uh, yeah. And, and then USC had like a stretch where they had a bunch of good wide receivers. That never panned that out. Never panned out. I, and, and lo and behold, out of all that run, the last one that was great that panned out somewhat was uh, Nelson Aguilar. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd say he panned out. He's I mean, he, he's still playing. That's why I said he panned out because I think the rest of them, like Roy Williams only played like five or six years. Well, who was the one that set out? Was that Michael Williams? Mike Williams? He, him and Maurice Corrette were going to be the ones that like sat out for a year. You're, you're right, and it totally yeah. derailed their totally professional. Backfired. Yeah, totally Maurice backfired. Corrette with his uh, bottle of Grey Goose in the front seat and a gun. <sighs> what an idiot! <laughs> yeah, real, real great guy. Um, okay, random topic two: Who is the single worst football fan that you know, and how tall is he? It's got It's got to be Adam. It's got to be Adam. And he's like five three. Five, he's the shortest person we've ever met, and Which, he's a ter- terrible, terrible, terrible person. person. He's only a fan of Bama because it, he he's been going there he since knows, they started he, winning. He knows nothing about Alabama football prior to Nick Saban arriving, uh, but he doesn't let that get in the way of his shit talk. Uh, did you see the picture that I put in the group chat of the Oregon O-line coach? How small is that guy? He's probably six foot tall, but the guy next to him is Dude, six there's eight. there's no way. There's no, that dude's like... Five four tops. Uh, yeah. If anybody out there is curious, just look up um, Oregon's oh, line coach. Right. He is he is a tiny man. He's probably five 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 six. And he's Alex Mirabal. And he's standing next to like one of his six seven six eight left tackles. He's a high, <laughs> him and Mario Cristobal were high school teammates. <laughs> How tall is he? I doubt they're going to have his height listed. He's an associate head coach as well. Oh, very nice. I guess whenever you're, uh, whenever you're best friends with the head coach, who is also an offensive line coach, he kind of lets you get a pass. Yeah, I guess so. No, I'm not going to be able to tell you. He's not tall. He's he's about the same height as Adam. Yeah, it's, um, it's an odd it's an odd offensive line coach. I'll say that. Uh, this is the last one. Uh, college players that go pro week one NFL thoughts. I, I'm assuming you put this one in here, and I don't know quite know what you mean, so I'm going to let you start. No, I didn't. I think Frank put this one in for us. Okay. Um, well, he really I, put some I, lot of thought in that one. Uh, I think Frank, what he's saying what? is. Frank, just, now's your time for 
to say your first words on the podcast, explain to us exactly what this means because you're here. No, Frank, you're you're gonna fucking speak. Yes, you are. <laughs> In case people are wondering, Frank is Frank is basically no different than the uh, the robot from um, the 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> he says he's the Stig. Uh, that is incorrect. <laughs> All right, so college players that we won performance. I mean, Jamar Chase caught every ball, so that was good. Um. So I'm guessing what he's mean to to do we believe like who do we think is going to go pro from college team and then our week one NFL thoughts? I mean I'll basically tell you that I, there's a lot of people that are going to go pro and not they're going they're not going to pan out. Right. Um, I, if you want me to just talk about who's going to go pro from Georgia, I think Lewis Sign and or Lewis Seen and Jordan Davis are surefire locks. Uh, Probably first first rounders, probably. I think Lewis Seen is probably one of the best safeties in the country, and I think Jordan Davis is the best defensive tackle. Week one NFL thoughts: uh, the Falcons are hot garbage. They are the worst team in the NFL this year. Uh, follow that up sharply by I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers' sole purpose to come back to the Packers was to sabotage their whole season yep. and be traded somewhere and win a Super Bowl. Get the get the Jeopardy hosting job. <laughs> um, did, you, did you see the video of the Atlanta fan lighting up a blunt in the stadium just to cope with the ass beating that y'all took? Uh, no, but I'd have been right there with him had I been. <laughs> it I was mean, a It was a female. <laughs> Dude, our uh, one of our uh, upper like upper management that works for the company, uh, he went down there and oh man, it was just sad to hear him talk about it. Really, <laughs> he said the stadium was great, but you know the team's awful. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you saw this either or not, but after they were doing the post-game press conferences and whenever Jamar Chase was getting up to leave, Joe Burrow was coming in, and he uh, sat down, and the first thing out of his mouth was, uh, he was like, I thought y'all were saying he couldn't catch anything. And I was just like, mic drop, yeah. perfect. Love yeah. it. Yeah, he came in and it showed out. Jamar Chase had one of the best uh, wide receiver performances of the week. Yeah, so, so I would say seven targets, seven catches, like 100-something yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I think, and honestly, like going back and looking at that interview, they took what he said out of context. He said it was harder to catch an NFL ball, not that he couldn't catch an NFL ball. Well, that was, I mean, that, that was a story during the preseason. He had a lot of drops, which means he didn't have Joe Burrow throwing them the ball. The, That's the, true. The video where the LSU put out of them, like, flipping back and forth between the touchdown of the Bengals game and then the touchdown of the championship game, which is it looked almost the exact same, was – Pretty cool. So if you haven't seen that, definitely check it out. Are you talking about uh, from Jalen Hurst to Devontae Smith? No, from Burrow to uh, Chase. Okay, they well, showed, it's, fun- it's funny play, you say that. They showed the play from the Clemson National Championship game and then the Bengals game. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because they did the exact same thing for Devontae Smith, except the first one was in the national title game against Georgia from Tua in overtime to win. He caught his first NFL touchdown from Jalen Hurts in the exact same uh, spot. Yeah. And as a Falcon fan, I can't help but just be happy for those two and just think about, you know, they took a picture. It was Calvin Ridley, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts, and I just couldn't help but feel like how sad, how sad for Calvin Ridley that he's a Falcon. <laughs> yeah. I'm really uh, – I'm glad that I'm a Georgia fan this year. Um, 
and and you know as well as I, I have not always said such things because it's been very stressful. It's been very stressful over here the past, you know, my entire life. But the past since 2016 forward, I mean, the Falcons have. I just don't have high hopes for them, and someone should just let Matt Ryan go to another team and have another try of success somewhere. It's not because I don't want him in Atlanta, but yeah, the but Falcons. He's so old, man. He's I'm, so old. Well, he's 36. Yeah, Frank, you say he's working for Stafford, but Stafford's, I mean, I don't know. Stafford's actually got a really strong arm. Yeah, Stafford doesn't suck. I mean, well, I don't think Matt Ryan sucks, but I think the Falcons organization is – in a bad place. And I can't really say it's the coach or GM's fault at this point. I think, I think this, this, the stuff that's been going on for the past five years has just bankrupted them. I mean, Arthur Blank's the man in charge. Sure. But I mean, what TD and Dan Quinn did, they got that one year of success and use that to just drive that nail home of we're going to screw this place over. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a but, Saints fan. I gave up on the Saints in like the early 2000s. Uh, I always grew up a Broncos fan anyway, so I got to watch Elway win two Super Bowls. Then I got to watch the defense win the Super Bowl pretty much uh, when Peyton was there. Um, and now I've kind of – I don't watch a ton of football. Now I've kind of switched over to the Bengals because of Burrow and Chase. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of follow the uh, where the you know former Georgia players have gone, the Chiefs, the Browns, stuff like that. I, I'm not real big. I mean, I, I'm a Falcons fan, and I'm going to watch their games, but I know that we're in for a long couple of seasons because I don't yeah. think this is something you can fix next year either. Probably not. Um, but as a Saints fan, you got to be excited because your whole offseason was a nightmare, and you look like the second-best team in, <laughs> in the <laughs> NFC South. I thought for sure it was going to either be the Falcons or the Panthers, and the Falcons are clearly the worst. I mean, Jameis got some LASIK surgery, dude, and he's balling out. He can see, man. He can see. Those crab fingers won't be getting away from him anymore. Heck no. Uh, yeah. I think that I think that pretty much puts a wrap on it, does it not? not? Pretty much, yeah. That's gonna, that's gonna be it for this week. Uh, don't forget to check out the socials: um, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, uh, Instagram, um, Football Lab Pod for the majority of those. Um, yeah, I think it pretty much covers it for this week. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, it was good. We'll see you next week. Uh, go dogs! And, uh, yeah, just keep it real. All right, yeah. Uh, go Tigers. Uh, Adam is short, and uh, we're going to go play some Siege. Word. Later. Later. <laughs>